following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning, class. My name is Mr. Keniston. I'll be your shop teacher for the rest of the school year. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, family. Uh, I have a lot to say, a lot to tell you. Um, I had a wonderful week at the middle school, um, teaching shop, uh, really enjoying that. A great bunch of kids, a great staff, very supportive. Everybody's very friendly and welcoming, and, and, a, and I'm working in a very well-appointed shop, so that makes me very happy. Um, and I praise God, my energy level has been very good. My speech has been terrific all week long, so I'm very happy about that. Um, so uh, lots of lots of good things there going on at the school, uh, and I'm grateful for your prayers. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that I've um, persevered um, through the week. So uh, only a couple of months more to go. <laughs> so uh, so far so good. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I just want to. Um, remind you again about um, next the, the festivities next weekend. Uh, next Sunday uh, at 7 o'clock, the, the sunrise-ish service. It's ish because the sun's already up by the time we're out there, but we're, we, we really want to see everybody. We'll be outside, plenty of room to, to spread out and, and all that. If you've been uncomfortable uh, coming here on a regular basis on Sunday because we're indoors, uh, that's that's fine, uh, but we we'd love to see you while we're we're all outside, and the only obstacle is getting up early in the morning. Um, so not an insurmountable obstacle, I don't think, <clears throat> since I've been waking up at four all week long. If I can do it, you can. Uh, so anyway, just uh, encourage you all to come so that we can be together uh, as a family again um, and see each other's faces, even if it's just from a distance. We'd love to. We'd love to see you all. And then we'll have a regular service at 937. Um, but also, to backtrack a couple of days, we, uh, we're we also going to have a Good Friday uh, service uh, here and on the live stream Friday at 630, um, where we can, uh, we can gather and remember Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, so it'll be a very simple service, but um, usually very powerful as we remember uh, the significance of that Friday uh, and those events. Well, today is Palm Sunday, um, the Sunday where the church traditionally remembers the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, um, the beginning of Holy Week. And if I'd remembered today was Palm Sunday, we would be doing that too, but I forgot. So we're going to go back to First Peter. <laughs> And uh, look at chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Um, and, and though in my flesh I may have uh, neglected to remember that it's Palm Sunday, I think the Spirit still has quite a bit to say to us in this text this morning. So we're going to look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. That's page 1014 in the Pew Bibles. And not that it really matters, but 
I'm not sure how you're going to feel about this. Um, I hope in the end that you'll be encouraged, uh, but it's going to take a little work through this passage. We, we're going to have to wade through the pricker bushes to get to the picnic on the other side. Last week, we looked at the first few verses of this paragraph in 1 Peter 1, and this week, I'm hoping to get through the rest of it. Uh, We'll see. So let's read that entire text again just to uh, refresh our our memories together. So I'll start at 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the freedom that we have to gather around it this morning. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak through these words. That your word would come alive to us. That your book would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And that we would be changed made more like your son as a result of our time together in your word. We give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. So our text here is a little bit like an Oreo cookie. A little sandwich with the tasty cookies on the, on, on the outside. And then that, that filling, that creamy filling. Well, this time, that creamy filling is a little more like liver and onions. But first, we need need the first cookie to get us through the liver and onion parts to the cookie on the other side. And last week, we looked at that first cookie, verses 3 through 5. And I'll read it again just because I love these words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We can be, in, we can be encouraged by this. I hope that you're encouraged by these words. This is like the most encouraging uh, three verses in Scripture, in, in, at least in my heart. And we can be encouraged by the worship of God, the reminder of His mercy towards us in our rebirth, rebirth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. 
the living hope of an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance kept in heaven for us. We can be encouraged by the promise that God himself guards and shields us through faith, and he will continue to do so until the return of Christ and the inauguration of his heavenly eternal kingdom. If that's not enough to get you through, I don't know what help I can be. <laughs> these, are, these are incredibly encouraging words and thoughts. But the warm fuzzies that we might feel is not the point. We need to be able to lean on these truths. We need to learn to lean on these encouraging thoughts because of the liver and onions that are on the horizon in our text. We need verses 3 through 5 to make it through to make it through verse 6 and 7 to verses 8 and 9. And that's exactly how verse 6 starts. That's our reminder. In this you rejoice, says in verse 6. In what we just said, you rejoice in that. Though, <laughs> rejoice in that, though, now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In our living hope of our heavenly inheritance through faith in Jesus, in our living hope of being guarded, shielded by God the Father, we rejoice, though, and this rejoicing isn't a theoretical joy either. This isn't um, just, yes, I'm joyful. You know, I, 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 I know I'm supposed to be joyful, so I'm going to say I have joy. I look, you know, I look terrible and my countenance is down and I, I can't help but cry all the time and life is miserable. But I, I know I have, I have joy. Just give me a minute with it. I, that, this is not the joy Peter's talking about. That is not the word he uses. That's like, I, I know I'm supposed to have joy, so I'm going to say I have joy. No. This word Peter uses means to be extremely joyful, like often involving verbal expression and even appropriate body movement, whatever appropriate means, you know, to exult and be glad. I think I've, I've probably even said it in sermons before, like there's a difference between happiness and joy, that happiness is based on your circumstances and joy is based on eternal things. And maybe that's true-ish, but here, happiness and joyfulness, it's all, it's a feeling, it's an expression, it's a state of being, it's all wrapped together in one thing, to be extremely joyful. Our living hope should fill us with exceeding joy so that we can deal with that though. Though we have been faced with trials of various kinds, whatever it is that we are being grieved with. And though the idea of being grieved by various trials is troubling, the, word, the words that Peter uses here, if properly understood, should bring us joy as well, even though it may taste like liver and onions. The main idea here that Peter is addressing is that the church 
the church is being grieved by various trials. That sounds great, right? We're looking forward to that. We'll love trials. Give me a good trial, man, and I'm just going to rejoice, right? One of the trials, I mean, when I look out at this room and I think about all the people that, that aren't here because it's not, it's not safe or it's not, it's, that's a trial for our church family. And it's been a year we've been doing this. That's a trial for us. And we can rejoice in that because of the living hope that we have. Right? All the different things that we've heard about, cancer and other sicknesses and transmission problems and work-related things and drug addiction and loved ones turning from the Lord, all of that stuff, that, that's what we're talking about here. The hard stuff. Really hard stuff. The word that's translated to be grieved literally means to cause one to be distressed and sorrowful and sad. It's right there on the surface. We rejoice in our living hope of our inheritance, of our our being guarded by God through faith in Jesus Christ. Though now for a little while, if necessary, we've been made sad and sorrowful and distressed by various trials. There is beauty in this, I think. And the beauty is in the idea that though we rejoice in our living hope, that doesn't mean that we cannot be distressed or sad when things are tough, when times are hard, when things that we perceive as bad happen to us or to those that we love. The idea of grinning and bearing it is totally lost in this thought. Like if you grew up in a church that says you've got to smile even though everything is horrible, just paint it on because you don't want to see them frown. They don't, you don't want them to see you frown because you've got the joy of the Lord. It's your strength. Don't forget Nowhere, that's what I mean, nowhere in Scripture are we instructed to grin and bear it. Nowhere in Scripture are we instructed to smile despite the pain. Nowhere is it said that you don't want to look sad because the Lord doesn't like frowny faces. He only wants to see your smile. There is no faking it. And if you're faking it, the only person you're fooling is yourself. So knock it off. That's what the old song says. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples? Right? Ignoring and hiding the pain. You're not fooling anyone. It's only making more work for yourself. It is okay to be distressed. It is okay to be grieved by various trials. Okay? I I want you to hear that, if nothing else, today. Because sometimes life is hard. 
and we are grieved. And we only make that grief worse by hiding it, by faking it. Peter is describing the reality of the effects of various trials upon us. Grief, sadness, and distress. Those are real. But yet, we can still rejoice. Not to forget the pain, but to get through the pain. To get through the grief and the sadness. And we rejoice not not only in the promise of our living hope, but also in how Peter describes these various trials. There are two things that he says about our being grieved by various trials. Did you notice them? For a little while, if necessary. For a little while, there's some encouragement. If necessary, you might struggle a little bit finding encouragement in that one. The phrase for a little while should give us hope. Because we can confidently expect, that's what hope means, to confidently expect that the trials we're facing are temporary. Can you rejoice in that? Absolutely. This this means yes. Yeah, and this, right. Okay, just just checking. There is, there's no more explaining to do here. The Greek doesn't hold any secrets Our trials, no matter how severe, are temporary. They are all temporary. All of them. Every single trial is temporary. Got that? Got it? Temporary. That's good news. That should give us hope. Now, perhaps our ideas of what temporary is need some adjustment. Temporary means like, it's over before I get home, right? I mean, it's, it's over before the sun goes down, right? And my, my, right? <laughs> no. Let me ask you, because we're all experts in experiencing trials, we all have a lot of practice. If a trial lasts your entire life, is it temporary? Yes, it is. If you've dealt with a birth defect or some degenerative condition or some health challenge that just doesn't go away, is that temporary? It is. If you have a living hope of a heavenly inheritance and protection by God through faith in Jesus Christ, the simple answer is yes, that trial is temporary. The trial itself will not follow you into eternity, into your eternal heavenly inheritance. It is temporary. What will follow you into eternity are the effects of your trials. How that trial shaped you. What that trial did for you. The second phrase Peter uses to describe the various trials builds on that thought. And that's the phrase, if necessary. The good news is that all the scholars, because they're smart, they say that the phrase, if necessary, 
also supposes that the trials are temporary. Okay? If, if necessary, you've got to go through this thing, but it's temporary. And that there, <clears throat> the second part of that is that their lengths, the length of the trial and the severity of the trial have been declared by God. Friends, this is, this is where the difference between, this is where the real definition of faith lives. If your faith is agreeing with facts, this is, this is not going to help you. <laughs> but if your definition of faith is trust in the person of our Almighty Father, trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, trust in his Holy Spirit who fills and empowers us. The fact that our temporary trial, its severity and length are predetermined and declared by him. That is what gets you through. It's trust in the person. That means what you're going through has a purpose. Not life is horrible can it please just be over now? I just want it to stop. We all want trials to stop. Believe me. But when we trust in the person who determines the trial, the trial has purpose. The phrase, if necessary, also points out one major idea that if we really think about it, we will all hate. <laughs> hate this idea that our trials are necessary. Doesn't that fill you with hope this morning? There's comfort in that thought as well. That our trials serve a purpose. Think about this. Water, if left alone, will lie perfectly still and flat. Okay? One of my favorite bodies of water to drive by when it's perfectly still and flat is the, the, the pond in Shikorwa. Well, that's not the one. In Shikorwa Village, where the dam is. I like Shikorwa Lake. It's nice. Don't get me wrong. But that mill pond... I, I just love the reflection of the, of the houses on the far side and you're driving by when it's still. It's beautiful. But the slightest tremor disturbs the surface of the water and distorts the image. And when a stream flows, every rock, every branch, every stick that's in that water directs the path the water flows. And trials function in the same exact way. Sometimes we have to experience trials in order to alter our path. When I think about uh, trials in my own life, um, when my 
when I had a stroke and my speech changed. I remember Peg, Aaron, saying to me, I think your preaching has improved. (laughs) And I said, well, I know I'm going slower, so that has to help. But you have to listen harder to understand what I'm saying. And that was that's just one of those things. That I was in a hurry before and that trial. Beautifully pointed out by Peg showed me I need to slow down because it's not just getting through this process that counts, right? You need to understand the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to us and and maybe had a lot to say in my years of preaching before that. Nobody got any of it because I was just going too fast. Amen. Let's go to prayer. Let's go to lunch. (laughs) Sometimes we experience trials to alter our path. I remember growing up, my pastor, George Waterman, used to say, problems are guidelines, not stop signs. Yeah, mark that down. There's a bumper sticker for you. Um, And this is the same idea. Sometimes our trials are necessary. They're hard, but they're necessary. They can be difficult, but there should still be comfort here for us. There is comfort available to us in that idea that our trials serve a purpose. So being encouraged by our living hope of an eternal heavenly inheritance and that God the Father is shielding us, knowing that our trials are temporary and from time to time are necessary, I think it's time we deal with what a trial really is. What did Peter mean when he said trials? Now, when I think of what a trial is, I've already given you some examples. Most of the time, I just I immediately think of some random problem or something that goes sideways that that just appears to make my life more difficult. Like it's like having your hands full and your keys are in the wrong pocket. Right. You know, that kind of deal like that's just a hassle. My parents used to have a picture on the wall that says the 11th commandment, thou shalt not hassle, right? I just, we just don't want to deal with that stuff. Let's just keep it smooth and avoid that stuff. It's like catching your, your pocket on a doorknob. That always happens when you're already mad, right? It's just to irritate you further. You're, you're, you're not tall enough? I'm sorry. So that only happens to a certain population, so... But I'll tell you, for those of you who are not in that population, it is really irritating. You're already irritated by your keys being in the wrong pocket, and then that pocket gets caught in the doorknob on the way through the door. And then you just walk in the house and you find the cat threw up on the stairs, and you knock those stupid empty egg cartons over for the thousandth time. Right? I've got a lot of pent-up... Well... Some of those things might qualify. But the word that Peter used, that is translated trial here, doesn't mean just some random difficulty or some minor irritation. In, my, in, in fact, in my opinion, the word trial here, in, at least in 
in our current context and understanding of words, trial is a poor translation, considering what the Greek word actually means. We think of trial as random hard thing. We don't know why it's happening, but we're just going to soldier on and persevere, right? Well, verse 7 gives us, gives us some hints that this word is not used exactly the way that it's intended when we think of it that way. The word that's translated trials should be, at least in our present understanding, the word test. Tests. I don't like this. I don't like, I don't like this. That our seemingly random difficulties and irritations are sent and directed by God. Their lengths and their severity are determined by God as tests. Well, what do you mean? What good does that do? Test for what? Okay, I fail. Can we move on to the next one? The words various trials literally mean diverse attempts to learn the nature or character of someone or something by submitting such to thorough and extensive examination. To test your work. One of the projects that the students of the middle school shop class have had to do is build towers out of matchsticks. They just kind of glue them together and they learn about bracing and cross bracing and all that sort of stuff. Lots of fun. But then once they finish building it, it has to be tested to see how much weight it can hold. And there's a special machine and put it in and you start pumping the thing and it starts squashing it until it explodes. That's a test. And our various trials are the same. James uses the same exact word as Peter in James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, when he says, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials and tests of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And even there, even there, in every major translation, the word dokiminion, just say it with confidence, doesn't matter, is translated trial. What it means, test. In the Old Testament, Job, who is the king of enduring trials, He said in Job 23.10, But God knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, tested me, I shall come out as gold. Why? Because he's a stellar person? No, because his trust was in the one who was testing him. Testing his character. So the difficulties that we face are not just random occurrences of things that we perceive to be bad. Perception is part of our problem. 
we perceive things to be bad when God is at work. We just want him to knock it off. Can you please stop working so we can go back to peace and harmony? The difficulties that we face are not just random occurrences, but they actually have purpose. James says that they produce steadfastness, the ability to stand firm in hard times. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yes, was the answer. Yes, it, yeah. yes, it is good. Oh, sorry, I heard you shaking your head. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says that trials and testing are for our discipline. That's a fun idea, isn't it? We love that. But it also says that they produce fruit. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, we sang the song last week and a couple of weeks before, Refiner's Fire, right? Beautiful song. Been singing it for years. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Um, we like that song, right? Really? Do you have any idea what you're asking for? You're asking for God to make your life hard. So congratulations. <laughs> you got it, right? We all have in various ways. As gold is refined by fire, so is our faith refined by testing. The heat of the fire separates the dross. It separates the, allo- the alloys from the gold, all the impurities. They rise to the top and are removed, not just from setting gold on the counter and wanting it to happen. I just want this gold to be pure now. Poof. That's not how it works. You need heat. You need the fire to melt the gold. So all that stuff floats to the top. And just like that, the heat of testing of our own faith exposes and separates from us those impurities, the impurities of pride and self-reliance and worldly wisdom among a host of other impurities within our hearts. That doesn't just happen because we want it to. Just make me more like Jesus. Just like take out the stuff. That's bad, as long as it doesn't hurt. Our trials and our tests tend to discourage us. I say us. I mean me. I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions here, I admit it. I mean me. And if you're with me, then, well, I believe that you're with me, but again, that's my assumption. Our trials and tests tend to discourage us because we don't see the purpose. And perhaps we'll never see the purpose, friends. (laughs) Perhaps we'll never know. But if we can recognize that God is in the process of refining our faith, that we can rejoice in the face of trials, like James said, 
We can rejoice in the face of discipline, like the writer of Hebrews said, because our testing will produce the fruit of righteousness and steadfastness, and our precious faith will be refined like gold. Our faith is more precious than gold, which means all of those trials are worth it. In your heavenly, eternal inheritance you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various tests, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen? Amen. There's another attempt. We only made it through two verses instead of four. That's just how it goes. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the tests. Help us, Lord, to rejoice in what is coming so that we may face what is now. Help us, Lord, to remember that what we're going through, no matter how difficult or negative it may seem, is from your hand and is for our good. That you are in the process of refining us through tests and trials. Maybe exposing those things in our own hearts, our quickness to anger or irritation or, or to blame when things don't go our way. Help us, Lord, in those moments to let go of the impurities, to let go of our worldly wisdom, our self-reliance or pride or anger or lust or envy or greed, whatever it is, Lord, refine us as gold in the fire of testing. And remind us again of our living hope, of our internal inheritance, that we are being shielded by you, guarded by you. You haven't forgotten us, but you're at work on us. May we find hope in that and rejoice with exceeding joy that is full of glory that we might result in praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.